Hey guys, did you know I got saved this week on text message? <laughs> Buddy, I got to witness your Twitter salvation it by happened. the great evangelist, Matt Dudley. The bishop, prophet, evangelist, Matt Dudley. It was a touching moment. So we get a, we get a text message on our group text that said, an open message for JC, dot, dot, dot. A, realize you're a sinner. B, understand that you deserve to go to hell for all eternity. Yes. C, repent, turn from your evil ways. D, pray this prayer. E, renounce your liberalism and rejoin the IFB. Bonus points if you join Cody's church. <laughs> I would love I'm to see the vote. And I know that I am. <laughs> so, JC, how many of those steps did you follow? All but E. <laughs> well, you know, that had to be good enough. What about me? I'm saved because my dad is a great preacher. That's in the Bible. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, that if your dad shalt preach with greatness, thou shalt be saved. Dude, that's, that's the first gospel of, yep, Laodicea. <laughs> and and Nathan and I, I really do think that if people from Georgia to Texas to Florida to Virginia could write a book about all of our rebelliousness, it would be a very thick book. Nathan would Guys, have the first fifteen chapters mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> I am the quintessential rebel. I mean, I can't sure. even argue with that. That's the truth, man. But here's the crazy Back. thing. See, see, I'm I'm like this. This middle man, I'm the missing link of Christianity because I get to be truly saved and going to heaven while I'm a heretic. Mm, it's true. I mean, that'll that'll mess your theological brain up right there. But well, see, I thought I'm just that guy. I thought based <laughs> on the story of the Apostle Paul that God used redeemed rebels. Hello. I mean, like the Apostle Amen. Paul, he was breathing out threatenings and cursings, and people were mm. laying their coats down on the ground so so Paul's feet wouldn't even touch the ground. He's leading stonings and persecutions and all of this. Mm. And then that's too much Bible. And then God redeemed him. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he lived against sin and against false religion with that same degree of rebellion. And that that was God mightily using his life. So I'm confused. You're a rebel. You're saved. But post-conversion, your past rebellion, kind of like a bridal train, it just tags along with you. So basically, the Holy Spirit is not doing what he promised to do. He's not accomplishing the work in me that he promised to accomplish <laughs> because he started the work. I'm just going to get stuck in the middle there. This might be where purgatory comes in. Mm. Oh, it could okay. be. Okay. Could be. I mean, all I know, Nate, is is when our brother enters heaven and I'm standing there, I'm going to have the biggest smile on my face just waving as big as I can. I can't wait for that moment. I hope oh, I hope man. Jesus just allows that to happen very quickly. Well, you know, JC, if if those guys really knew you, 
they would know what a heart and a passion you have for Jesus and how hard you strive to be the right kind of dad and the right kind of pastor and the right kind of husband. Um, but we, Nathan and I know you well. And yeah, yep. you're crazy, but you're crazy saved. That's right. Oh, yeah. I love it. Tweet that. Tweet that. It, this, is, this is exactly why Jesus put, shake off the dust from under your feet and keep going. Yeah. This, this kind of stuff is always going to come. You got to shake it off. In the words of the prophet Taylor Swift, just shake it off, shake it off. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad we're all saved and on our way to heaven. I tell you, another place we're on our way to tomorrow morning. We're heading to Bourbon, Missouri. Oh, yes. It is we the are. RFP meetup in Bourbon, Missouri, man. I am so excited. I can't wait. We've been looking forward to this date for a long time, and it is happening starting tomorrow morning in Bourbon, Missouri. It's too late to sign up. It's like the ark. The door is shut. So if you're in, you're in, baby. <laughs> We're going. We're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be telling you more about this meetup next week, I'm sure. It's going to be incredible. And hey guys, we had uh, another really cool thing happen this week. We had so many people that just absolutely loved the new intro that oh, they yes. decided to uh, critique it. And yeah. hey, we're we're always up and open to that. But you know what? <laughs> it it like the final verdict came in this week, and I'm proud to announce to everybody that we are Aiden and Clay Riddle approved. Mm. They. Those two boys, our two biggest fans, approved of the new intro, so what everybody else has to say doesn't matter. By the way, we knew going in it was too long, and we love it. We love it. And we chose not to take anything out of it. And there's this it's really cool podcast. button. You can like <laughs> skip through it if you want to, but I just can't imagine skipping through it. Plus, all 75 episodes with the old intro on it, it it will always be there, so you can yeah. go listen to it. And I think I may have to do that from time to time because I always go back and listen to older episodes. But man, I'm I'm happy to be moving into this new season. As a matter of fact, why don't we just go ahead and listen to it? Let's do it. Let's go. Covering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a convention of beans or peas to me. I, podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Hi, man! Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing good, neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalists. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical True. family. We are the fundamentalists. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One.
I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, we better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old-time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm -hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was it, right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, jump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started a movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we want to thank our sponsor right up front, Free Life Soap. You can check them out today by going to recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use your promo code RFP and get 20% off of your order when you do. While you're at the recoveringfundamentalist.org, go ahead and click on the merch store. We've got hats and cups and t-shirts, and very soon we're going to have some incredible t-shirts that you're going to want to click on and have some sayings that we've said here on the podcast we're working on some of our own personal line and i'm real excited about that guys absolutely uh by the way i get to see the t-shirt every night that has our faces on it because <laughs> i ordered that and my daughter has laid claim to it <laughs> and that is now her every night sitting on the couch shirt by the way, it was cool this morning. We were getting ready for service, and I heard her just from the bathroom while she was getting ready. She yelled out, Jesus was not a bartender. Uh, <laughs> so I was laughing. That's awesome. By the way, I, I hear one. Oh, by the way, one thing I love about the new intro is Joe Arthur saying, I am not a recovering fundamentalist. Well, he says that when he's with Treber or when he's with Hudson or when he's at the right place but you know put him in the right situation on a big enough platform and play some bethel worship music and he'll arise right up and suddenly become a recovering fundamentalist and get his worship on to some bethel worship <laughs> Woo! Woo! wow he's spitting fire already goodness Come gracious on, man <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, that got me. So last week we talked about the fact that the gospel is everything. It is the yeah. treasure of the church. It's the beauty of the church. It is the crown jewel of everything we declare and everything we preach and everything we believe. You know, Churches can get music wrong, and that may not be of eternal consequence. Or churches can get leadership structure wrong, and that may not be of eternal consequence. Um, we can get some programming wrong, and that may not be of eternal consequence. But you have to get the gospel right. That's right. If you get the gospel wrong, you have completely missed everything. Nathan, the gospel matters. It, it is our everything. 
Brian, you're exactly right. And one of my favorite quotes came out of a book that Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson wrote called The Explicit Gospel. And I know both of you guys have read this. We've talked about it. This book shook my world about 15 years ago and really started shaping my view of the gospel. In the book, Chandler quotes Dave Harvey, and he says, The gospel is the heart of the Bible. Everything in Scripture is either preparation for the gospel, presentation of the gospel, or participation in the gospel. Wow. Man, mm. that is such Amen. Such a strong quote. The gospel yeah. is everything. We never grow out of the gospel. Christians never. need it just as much as the lost do. It's good. I heard a clip this week that gives an example of somebody that doesn't get it. Mr. Heyman himself. Check this out. Well, I'm dating this boy, and he ain't one of us. He goes to one of those worship centers, but at least they preach the gospel. What about the rest of the Bible? Do you understand the gospel is the starting spot? The gospel is the starting spot. We're not under the law, and, and we're, we're under grace. Wait, oh, if, if that's the mentality, that, could that crowd tell me one thing God's going to chastise me for then? Whom he loves, he chastens, but nothing they do is ever wrong? When are you going to get a whooping then? One of the greatest assurances I have that I'm born again is I can't even get in a fight with my wife. You know, that reminds me of a verse with what Tony just said there out of Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, verse 11 and 12, New Living Translation, says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. That's the gospel, correcting and challenging and chasing. That's part of the gospel. Well, you know, um, our audience really needs to listen closely to that clip because, Nathan, it reveals the difference between eisegesis and exegesis. Uh, what Tony did in in that um, that discourse, he actually made the statement that uh, the gospel is the starting point. That's incorrect. Then he makes the statement, grace and law, if we're only under grace, then what is God going to chasten you for? Well, audience, you need to listen up. That's... That's trying to put two pieces of a puzzle together that don't fit. We're actually corrected as children. We're chastened as children. We're made children through the power of the gospel. So as children, we are under grace, no longer under law. God's chastening is not connected to us being under the law. God's chastening mm -hmm. is connected to his love for us as children, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons or the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. It's not an issue of law and grace, Tony Hudson. It's an issue of the fact that the gospel makes us acceptable to God. He adopts us as children. So it's through and by the gospel that we're claimed by God and it's on that basis that we're corrected. Um, you know, I wish I wish he really believed Galatians chapter 1. Because if he believed Galatians chapter 1, he would be more careful in his handling of the gospel. Because Paul said that if anyone 
preach a gospel that is contrary to the one that he preached, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. That is a very serious issue, mishandling the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Tony, you may want to verse-by-verse study Galatians chapter 6, and you may never want to present the gospel ever again as the starting point. Mm. Mm. Which leads up to what we're really going to be talking about today, and that is the essentials of the gospel. What are the essentials of the gospel? A lot of people get it wrong, and honestly, our eternal souls are at stake if we're getting this wrong, if we're preaching the wrong gospel, the prosperity gospel can't save anybody. Amen. So it's important that we understand the gospel. In his book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, J.I. Packer talks about the four essential ingredients of the gospel. And we kind of want to use this as an outline to talk through these points of what are the essential points of the gospel. And I've heard people presented a lot of different ways. I would really recommend reading Matt Chandler and Jared Wilson's book, The Explicit Gospel, because it's incredible. It's a short, easy read, but man, so powerful. But Packer goes deep with this, and the first thing he mentions is that the gospel is a message about God. And I said this last week, the Bible starts with God. You you can't leave him out. When you start with Jesus died on the cross for your sins, well, hold on a second, what is sin? Why did he have to die? Who was Jesus? you got to start where the Bible starts. The gospel is a message about God. It tells us who he is and what he did for us. You know, Nathan, everything we know about God, we know from Scripture. Of course, we understand Amen. that nature testifies of God, and we look into the heavens and we see his glory. We look around us, and we behold his handiwork, as the Bible would say. But it's through the Bible that God introduces himself to us we see his nature, we see his characteristics. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. we see his desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's through the Bible that we see the overwhelming so love of God, a love that would motivate Mm -hmm. him to give his only son for the vilest of sinners. And we so often quote John 3.16, and we forget John 3.17, that God is, didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God, the only one who had the authority to condemn God, the one who had ultimately been sinned against because all sin is ultimately against God. David had Uriah killed. He had Bathsheba impregnated, but yet he said, God against thee and thee only have I sinned. All sin is ultimately against God, but God who has the authority and the power to condemn doesn't send his son on a condemnation mission, but rather he sends his son on a redemption mission so that Mm. we can spend eternity with him as trophies of his grace that angels will look on us in amazement, the redeemed blood bought church of Jesus Christ And they won't even be able to fully understand this work of grace that has been wrought in the lives of the most wretched of people who are standing in heaven, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, praising God in a way that the angels can't, singing a song that no one else other than redeemed sinners can sing. And that is, our God is 
and eternal redeemer. We know mm-hmm. all of that through God's word. And apart from God's word, we wouldn't know any of that. Amen. Amen. Our chief end, as it says, is to glorify God. That is why mm-hmm. we are here. It's to give him praise. It's, it's with our life. It's our, it's our song to him. It's our life to him because we glorify God through our actions. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. We mm-hmm. produce the fruit of good works in our life as a result of glorifying God. And we glorify God, I think, by rehearsing his attributes and his deeds. Stephen said in his final sermon before he was killed for his faith that he retold the story of God's dealing with Israel from the time of Abraham as he left the country in obedience to God's commands all the way to the coming of Christ, the righteous one whom Israel would betray and murder. But God work in our life and how he saved us from sin and his marvelous work he does in our hearts and our minds every day. We glorify him before others. We bring glory to God through our lifestyle, through who we are in him. And I believe that every aspect of our life from our waking to our sleeping is to bring glory to God. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, JC. And that's why he created us. And in the garden, man was a beautiful picture of the image of God that God created him to be. Mm. But that moves us to the second essential of presenting the gospel, and that is that something happened. Something's wrong with this world. Something marred the image of God in us. And number two is that the gospel is a message about sin. Can you truly present the gospel if you refuse to talk about sin? The answer to that is no. And for anyone who says that we avoid the message of sin, that's Mm. a blatant lie because you can't preach the gospel and avoid sin. Christ died for our sin. So the message of the gospel is not just the message of God's love, but it's the message of God's justice that sin Mm. had to be atoned. Payment had to be made. On the cross, Christ became sin for us. You know, think about this. Adam and Eve in the garden, guys, Eve was tempted by the fruit. Satan didn't have to go in search of her. She was already standing at that tree. Apparently, she had been visiting that tree on a daily basis. He knew where to find her. All he needed to do was wait for her to be near enough to the tree for them to have that seductive conversation. But stop and think about this. You are only tempted by what you are tempted by. For example, tonight someone could bring 10 million pounds of cocaine and, and put it in my house and it wouldn't be a temptation at all. People could, you know, maybe bring other things to my house or have me, in and around other things or or certain situations and those situations or items wouldn't be tempting to me we're only tempted by what we are tempted by eve was tempted by god is withholding something from us we can be like him satan made an appeal to her humanistic desires and she rebelled and so the issue Mm. with sin nathan is this that It's not a matter of, well, I have an alcohol addiction or I have a pornography addiction or I have um, an eating addiction or I'm sold out to possessions and money. 
Sin is ultimately rebellion against God. Yeah. All sin is classified as rebellion against God, exercising our will over his will, declaring ourselves to be God and the determiner of what is right and wrong for our lives. So rebellion against God separates us from God. You know, Brian, I, I was reading a, a quote this week from a missionary named Leslie Newbing. She said, the demonstration that the God against whom we have sinned and who rightly punishes sin himself drinks to the very dregs, deeper than even the foulest sinner has to drink, the cup of punishment. You know, guys, that's the action of God's judgment in the cross that subverted a symbol of the Roman imperial power but has turned it into a symbol of God's self-giving love for us. Mm. And think about the gospel message of sin. It tells us that we've fallen short of God's standards. Mm. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've become guilty. We are filthy and helplessly stuck in sin, and we now stand under the righteous wrath mm. of God. And... That is the message of the Bible. To quote Matt Chandler again, he said that you don't appreciate the good news until you really understand the bad news. Mm -hmm. And the Bible starts off with God, and that's good news. That's the gospel. It starts off with him. But just three chapters in, it goes straight to the bad news and explains how we fell into sin. And we're sinners by nature. We're born that way. We're sinners by choice and we're sinners that are absolutely in love with our sin and if we die in our sin apart from the blood of Christ that was shed to atone for our sin we're lost eternally that mm -hmm. is the message of the gospel so any gospel that leaves out sin especially how offensive it is to God and the results of our sin which, honestly, you can't understand the heaviness of the weight of our sin without understanding the holiness of God. If, mm. When you understand God's holiness, then you realize how offensive our sin is to a righteous and a holy God. Mm. That's what rebellion is, and when we commit cosmic treason against the holy God of the universe, that's a big deal. Amen to that. I don't even think we begin to understand the depths of our own sin. You know, it's sad, isn't it, mm. that even our very nature of how we perceive sin and how we view sin mm. even testifies against us of our own sinfulness. Because think about how aware we are of sin in other people's lives and not the sin that's in our own lives. We actually condemn people for sins that we commit but when they commit those same sins that exist in our lives for some reason it's suddenly worse in their life than it is in our own life so even the way we perceive sin um, i know jc is the father of well of a whole tribe of kids <laughs> and uh mm -hmm. jc a I, tribe a kindred a tongue a nation yes <laughs> jc i know that you have had the experience when one child will come and tell on another child for something they themselves have done at another time. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. That's who we are. And it's only when we realize the depths and just the vulgarity of our own sin, the horror of our own sin, that we really learn to appreciate the grace of God and the love of Jesus. Mm. Um, right. As a matter of fact, if I'm not the worst sinner I know, I have an incorrect view of sin. Yeah, yeah. that's the truth. Amen to that. So that's the bad news. Let's move to number three. The gospel is a message about Christ. God had a plan to save and redeem mankind, and his plan was spelled J-E-S-U-S. Jesus is God's plan to redeem mankind. JC, who is Jesus? Jesus is the most important thing that will bring peace. He forgives, he loves, he heals. Uh, He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the keeper of all creation. He knows us, he sees us, he cares about us. Uh, He's the one that is, when I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm thirsty, he's living water. When I'm hungry, he's the bread of life. He is everything for everybody, every time, every way, every day, every hour, every minute. He is everything. He's the one that we turn to. He knows everything about us and still loves us. He is the God of the Bible. Jesus is God in the flesh, walking Mm. on earth, who came and lived and died and rose again and is offering us salvation through him to God. That's who Jesus is to me. Wow. Hey, guys, have you ever been driving down the road and you've seen one of those neon signs that says Jesus saves? Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what was proven this past week? That there are guys in fundamentalism who really don't believe that. Hmm. Either salvation is what we do or it's what Jesus has done. And if it's what we do, then we might as well go ahead and just have a whole podcast on hopelessness and the fact that we're all going to hell. Hmm. You're right. It's either based on what we do or it's based on what we what he's done. And so think about this. I know this sounds overly simplistic. My mind's overly simplistic, so... I I confess Jesus saves means just that Jesus saves Hmm. Jesus saves. I don't Jesus saves. You don't Jesus saves. Mm -hmm. I can't Jesus saves. You can't. I love the ESV gospel uh, transformation Bible. It has this quote in the notes. Jesus is not only the main character in this doxological drama of redemptive history. He is the writer, the director, and the producer. Man. It is all Jesus. Jesus saves. Any gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus saves is not the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear someone saying, well, I'll tell you one thing, J.C. Groves is not saved because, well, if it's dependent on J.C. Groves, J.C. Groves is never going to be saved and neither is anyone else. J.C. Groves' salvation is not dependent on J.C. Groves. It's dependent on Jesus Christ. I think the because was because he hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading in the Bible that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that's not spelled C-O-D-Y. Amen to I'm going to go water my fruit. <laughs> Rotten fruit, buddy. Nasty fruit. 
Did hey. y'all know this week that we ordered, just a side note, we ordered 20 bananas from Walmart and they delivered 20 pounds. <laughs> Did of you bananas pay for 20 pounds? House. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So talk about rotten fruit, man. We got freaking bananas coming out our ears. That's just so, a parable from the Lord right there. I mean, come on. And the number happened. twenty has to mean you're a reprobate. I don't I don't know, but I could probably <laughs> prove that if I do the math long enough. Here's what I love about your quote, Jesus saves Brian. He saves sinners. He saves rebellious teenagers. He saves those that are far from him. He saves those that know him, that look like that a form of godliness who have it all together, mm. that are singing in the church choir, who are mm. standing on the pulpits and mm -hmm. preaching, who are running the aisles, who are going to the altars 15 times. He knows them. He knows their real heart, and he can still save them as well. Yeah. Thank God he saved rebellious teenagers. He saves people who are playing church. Thank God Jesus saves, period. Not by anything that we do because we try to do it and earn this salvation, and we're messing this up. Jesus saves. Yeah. Amen. And when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're really talking about two things. The first is who he is. Mm. The gospel of Jesus Christ is based upon his person, his identity. He is, as JC said so clearly, God in the flesh. He is the one that came to this earth. He's, he's the creator, and he came to this earth manifest in the flesh, as John 1 says. He was the mm. Word in the beginning with God. He was God. The Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when you think about who Jesus is, He's the one that came. He lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial, substitutionary, atoning death for us, and He rose from the grave and ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God, where He's ruling and reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. So that's yeah who he is. If if your Jesus is some little Santa Claus kind of guy who wants to just give you everything you want, I don't think that Jesus can save anybody. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. You got to know who he is. And secondly, you've got to know what he did. His work, his work on the cross, his blood that was shed for our sins. He did everything. It is finished. It's accomplished. The work of Jesus Christ was enough. It was sufficient to save the world, and it is offered to all. Brian, I heard you say a quote one time that talked about, if I go to hell, I'll go to hell clinging to Jesus mm -hmm. and to his blood. And I thought about that this week when people started accusing JC of not being saved. I know JC's life. I know his testimony. I know how this boy's lived his last 20 years, and he's not perfect, and yeah, he's crazy and hilarious, and we are friends for the rest of our life, but man, that dude loves Jesus. I've seen him share the gospel with people. I've seen him confront me when I was being a total jerk and, you know, <laughs> struggling in my marriage and, and making bad decisions. He sat across the table from me and put his finger in my face and told me that I was a believer in Jesus and I'm not allowed to live that way. I'm not allowed to not forgive my wife. That dude has gotten real with me. He is fierce, which is why so many people get upset at him because their feelings get hurt. Well, you know, it's kind of like this, Nathan. Um, when you start elevating men, hmm. That's that's a bad path to start to move down on. Um, for example, 
I really offended some people a little while back because I talked about the obsession that fundamentalists have with the forefathers. We're sinning against our forefathers. We're not going to leave what has been passed down to us. And this man is wonderful. And this man is not. This preacher is worthy of a greater plateau, a greater level or degree of preeminence. And this preacher is not. For example, Jack Howes, he deserves the pedestal. What a great man of God. J.C. Groves, he's not like Jack Howes. He doesn't deserve the pedestal at all. All of us, apart from the grace of God, are wretched, vile, ferocious yeah. mm-hmm. sinners deserving the full wrath and judgment of a holy and a righteous God. There are no good men. Guys, you mm-hmm. need to start believing the Bible. There is none who does good, no, not one. That includes Jack Kyles, that includes Curtis Hudson, that includes Sammy Allen, that includes John R. Rice, that includes Lester Roloff, whosoever name, whoever's name you want to put there, there is none who does good. By the way, that also includes Brian Edwards, J.C. Groves, and Nathan Cravat. Amen. That's why when we get and Craig to, Edwards. Yes. That, that's why when we get to heaven, that was a low blow, but that's why when we get to heaven, <laughs> Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, we will say with a loud voice, worthy, worthy. is the mm-hmm. lamb. Hey, listen, there's not going to be a pedestal in heaven for your favorite old-time preacher. There's only going to be worthy is the lamb. And maybe fundamentalists need to learn how to stop preaching so much about the worthiness of the forefathers, and maybe they need to start preaching a whole lot more about the worthiness of the lamb because he is truly the only one who is worthy. Mm. Jared Wilson said, The cross is the intersection of God's love and his justice. The beauty of the cross is found as we look at how Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we don't have to. Mm. Man, I Mm. love that. I am so thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. So point number four is the gospel is a summons to faith and repentance. The gospel always calls for a a response. Chan Kilgore said, true gospel preaching always changes the heart. It either awakens it or it hardens it. Man, that's good. Mm -hmm. JC, that night you were in your Jeep Mm. and God made you aware that you were a phony. Can you just, in that moment, what what did God's conviction feel like in your heart and life my goodness the weight was almost unbearable the list that i kept pulling out the list of here's my list god here's the stuff i've done that i'm putting on my list i mean i'm doing all this stuff i'm singing for you i was preaching for you I, i played jesus in the chattanooga passion play like my initials are jc you can't get more christian than that so i thought it was on my stupid list in that list, man, in my like, if I could physically see that, it's just all tattered, it's torn, it's disgusting. It's like I just kept presenting it to him. It's just filthy trash that just has check marks on it. 
And sitting in that Jeep, the weight of just this decision that I knew that my pride was going to keep me from a relationship with Jesus. And sitting there on old 601 Highway, I said, God, I'm done. And I literally just tore that list up. I, I, I could not meet who I was trying to present myself to be to him. I just said, God, I need you. I need you in my life. And I physically let go of the steering wheel, and I said, I'm done. You have complete control. And I'm telling you, an image of Jesus didn't come up on the windshield. The Holy Spirit didn't come through the air vents. But I knew in that moment there was a change. He made a change. The Bible says if any person be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. There wasn't a, a big drastic change. I didn't change completely from looking one way to looking another, but I knew in my heart that there was a big change. And yeah. I said yes to Jesus. And following him from that moment on, my list is filthy. My list is that filthy rags. It was just what I was trying to say. Hey, God, here it is. Look how good I am. I'm learning now to live from acceptance that I am a son of God rather than for acceptance to try to earn his favor, to earn salvation. Man, the freedom that comes when you learn to live from rather than for acceptance is second to none. Mm. Nathan, that sounds like a saved man to me. Mm. That sounds like somebody who's trusting in Christ alone, mm. by grace, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. That's, that's I the always think of the song, the song that you sang, Nathan, the day that I came back to Temple Baptist and got baptized on that Sunday. Um, I left Yakinville, North Carolina, where I was living at the time and drove, however, 12 hours long all night to get home. Walked into church on Sunday morning. I was I had been driving all night. <laughs> Walked in. Aaron Hampton was the first person I saw. I said, Aaron, I can't explain this. You gotta understand this church I grew up in. I'd been singing at Temple Baptist Church since I was a kid. I said, Aaron, I said yes to Jesus yesterday, man. I gave him the steering wheel of my life completely. He didn't question it. He didn't say, Are you sure? Man, that guy gave me the biggest hug. I'm not a hugger. Everybody knows that. He gave me the biggest <laughs> hug and just wept on my arm and I was like this is incredible jumped in the baptismal that day <laughs> you know how many people were like are you sure now I remember at seven when you were singing here and I mean, all that stuff <laughs> I, man listen I remember that day and I'm telling you it was incredible because I come up out of the baptismal I'm changing clothes Nathan surrendered to preach that day if you remember that bud that's the I same do. day you surrendered to preach and yep. I sang that day and Nathan sang that day I sang a song called Trophy of Grace, followed up by Nathan, and he sang, Were It Not for Grace. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you where I'd be wandering down some pointless road with my salvation left up to me. Mm -hmm. I know the path I would take mm -hmm. and whatever the words are, but man, it, yeah. that hit hard because I'm wondering, I was trying to earn my salvation on my own with all this mm -hmm. stuff on this stupid list, mm -hmm. but if it weren't for grace... Man, if it weren't for God's amazing grace that rescues, sets free, good gosh, thank you for mm. grace. Mm. And that is the call of the gospel. Yeah, You know, people, people I think accuse, for example, like the Tony Hudson clip. There's the gospel, but then surely you have to do something else. Mm. And the gospel is the confession. Lord, I, I'm not capable of redemption. 
I'm not capable of salvation. The gospel is transformative. It, it changes your direction. It changes why, why you live, what you live for. You know, the apostle Paul post that encounter with Jesus, everything about his life changed. Uh, I had a young man at the close of service today. His name's Graham. He's a great young guy, a deep thinker. And he was trying to understand. He, he, he believed at one point in time that, that grace and works worked in tandem together. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, he's starting to figure out it. So it is completely grace. But then what about this works element? And, you know, I said to him, you know, we have three daughters and, and two daughters are still living at home. And, you know, I had a conversation with him the other day about the fact that they get all the benefits of children. They get to live in the house for free. They get access to the electricity, the air conditioning, the refrigerator, the food, the cabinets, the Wi-Fi. Every amenity is available to them because they're children. The other day I had this conversation with them about, I want you to help more around the house. You should be picking up more. You should be helping your mom and I more. You should be doing more. Here's the thing. If they never picked up another thing, if they never helped clean another dish, if they never did anything, they are my children. Mm -hmm. They are no less my children. So my call to them to live differently was not in order to be children. But the thing I said to them was, I want you to love me and your mom enough. And I want you to love the love that we have for you enough that you desire Mm-hmm. to do more yeah there's a difference in being motivated by love and being motivated by fear mm-hmm. or something else and you know what we're talking about today is the essentials of the true gospel truly mm-hmm. understanding it for ourselves because the bible tells us to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith to mm-hmm. see if we pass the test And that's really important. So when we look at the gospel, that affirms who we are. As we talk through these points, there's no point in here where I'm convicted that I've never done this, that I never understood this. This is the gospel that I believed in. Jesus is the true Savior that I believed in. And the response that I made was coming from a heart that had been awakened to see my sinfulness and the glory of Christ And I trusted in him. I repented of my sins and turned to him. And I've been teaching my youth group for the past three weeks through a series on Christianity. Everybody calls themselves Christians nowadays, especially in the South and the United States. And as I've been teaching them about what true Christianity is, we started off with Christ. It's it's all about Christ. It's built on him. And to be a Christian means that at some point you became a Christian. What does it mean to become a Christian? We talked about that, but I quoted this article from the Washington Times to them when I was teaching the first sermon, and it went back and quoted uh, this quote by Christian Smith years ago. I'm sure you guys have, have read it. It was powerful, especially for youth ministry. He said, most people in America aren't Christians 
they believe in something called moralistic therapeutic deism. Yes. They have a faith that moralistic talks about they have to be a better person. I have to be the best mm. person I can be, so it's their works. Therapeutic talks about it's just all about me being happy. Whatever I have to do, whoever I have to talk to, as long as I can be happy, get therapy, be happy within myself, that's the attainment that I'm looking for. And then deism believes in a God, but it's this separate God that can never save anybody that's not involved in his universe, that never sent his son, that doesn't love us or care about us or care what we do and would never throw us in hell. And, you know, maybe heaven's real, but the rest of it is just, you know, empty. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not the gospel. That's the American gospel, moralistic, therapeutic mm. deism. And it's never saved anybody. But that's what so many young people today and older people are trusting in and believing in. And our response to the truth of the first three points that we talked about, the truth of the gospel, who God is, what sin is, who Jesus is, our response has to be a response of repentance and faith. And a lot of people have a problem with repentance, but basically what I mean by repentance is the biblical definition of repentance, that we have a change of heart, a change of mind that results in a change of actions. Mm. So mm -hmm. repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. I turn from trusting my sin as my savior. I turn from trusting in my sin as my idol and trust in Jesus as the one true God who can truly save me. And I, I place mm. all the weight of my faith and trust in him and he's my only hope. So that's, that's the gospel. That's what I'm believing oh, in. And Brian, just like you said, man, if I go to hell, I'm going to hell hanging to the blood of Jesus Christ hanging on to his righteous garments that he died to save me and that he is my creator, that he loves me and that he's accepted me because of his sacrifice. Do you know one of the greatest verses that spoke to my heart about the gospel? It was unlikely, but I was studying Luke chapter two and studying for a Christmas message. And I actually was reading the passages about the shepherds. The announcement of a savior was the greatest news the world had ever heard. People had longed for a Messiah. They had prayed for a Messiah. And so there was no news on the calendar of human history greater than a Savior has been born and he will save people from their sins. And God allowed that announcement to be made to outcast shepherds, mm. nomadic shepherds, who were out in the field keeping watch, as the Bible says, over their flocks by night. Mm. And guys, I'd never thought about this before. JC, like you said in that one quote, this would make a Baptist want to speak in tongues. I had that kind of moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I questioned, <laughs> why would you allow the biggest announcement on the calendar of human history to be made to just a group of shepherds out in a field and then I realized it was through that that God was making a great statement about the gospel, that the gospel is for the dirty who are out in the dark in need of a savior. Mm. The shepherds Man, represent who the gospel is for. They were outcast. Mm. They were overlooked. They were the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. They were dirty. 
their hygiene would have been poor. They would have been out there in the dark. No one was mindful of them. But when nobody was thinking about those shepherds who were dirty out in the dark in need of a a savior, God knew exactly who they were and God knew exactly where they were. And God sent the news of a redeemer to them while they were still in the dark. That's Mm. a picture of the gospel work and the gospel word for all of us. We're all dirty out in the dark in need of a savior. And it's the message of there is a savior who is Christ the Lord and grace and faith are gifts from God. And we hear that message and we say, I believe in that savior. I want to worship him. Hmm. That's good. That's the gospel that when we couldn't get to him, he came to us. Amen. Yeah. That people everywhere, they're searching for that hope. Everyone who encountered Jesus discovered that hope. That's the thing he gives, that fulfillment. And I love that. And guys, the methods may change. Mm. Hey, JC, you may put a wrestling ring in in your church and witness to people through that method. But the message of the gospel never changes. And, you know, I'm thankful we can do trunk or treat. Or we can do, you know, community outreaches and do different things. We can knock on doors. We can hand out tracks. We can. I was sure. walking through Greenville, South Carolina yesterday, and this guy had a bullhorn hanging around his neck and around his waist. It's the biggest bullhorn I've ever seen. And he was preaching the gospel, the, the real gospel. And he was just talking like this. I've never seen a guy with a bullhorn that wasn't screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> he was standing out there faithfully preaching the gospel. He gave us a track. And I read it, and it was awesome. It was like the true gospel. So whatever method you choose, is that's okay, as long as you're communicating the true message of the gospel. The message of the gospel never changes. It's the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Amen. Because we know one encounter with a holy God will do more for you than a thousand sermons ever will. Yeah. One encounter with God will leave your life changed. That's why we've got to preach the gospel yeah. so others can have that encounter with a holy God. Hmm. And guys, I, I just wonder if people listening to us today maybe don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. Hmm. You know, we've got a lot of people that love us, that listen to us, that have been hurt through church, that have been hurt by pastors, that have walked away from church, that walked away from their roots in Christianity. And you know what? If you heard what we shared today and you believe in a holy God that created everything he's good he's loving and he created us but that we fell into sin and he loved us so much he sent his son to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven so that we could be saved if you will respond to that gospel message and call on him to come into your heart and forgive your sins, you will be a brand new creation today, yeah. right now. And we've had, I'd say, over dozens of people saved that, that we've talked to, that have emailed us, that have called us. Another one this week let us know they received Christ, and I'm thankful for that. But I, maybe today, maybe through these gospel episodes, people will realize, I never rejected God. I never rejected Christ. I never rejected the gospel. 
I rejected people that misrepresented him. Mm. And guys, I want to make a clear call mm. for you to believe and receive the gospel. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus Christ as your only Savior. And yes. give your heart to him today and trust in him. He is mighty to save. He will save you from your sins. Amen. Man, that's beautiful. And you know, guys, the great thing is we've shared the gospel, mm. which means now we don't have to try to generate fear in somebody's heart and life. Yeah. We don't have to try to create doubt. And so we, we don't have to manipulate you. Nathan, I love how you just, how you just worded that, that mm. it's the gospel. It's been presented and, and now people can respond. Father, we love you. In the strong name of King Jesus, we thank you for the one that just said yes to you. We thank you for the one that is burning that list, that's throwing their list away. The one who has uh, been trying to earn their salvation by doing uh, salvation-type things, but it's just pointless, and it's leading them down a dead-end road who just came face-to-face -face with the gospel, the God of the gospel. You've made them aware of their sin. Father, I pray they turn from that sin. They say yes to you. They give you complete control of their life, and they walk in the newness of life that you have called us to. God, we thank you for the hope that is found in the fact that we have you. You save. You set free. You rescue. You redeem. God, we thank you for the one that said yes to you right now. We rejoice as we know heaven is throwing a party. We celebrate as one came into the family. The incredible, incredible work of salvation has been done. We love you, Jesus. It's in your strong name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, it is such an honor to do this podcast with you. And I tell yeah. you what. I said last week was my favorite episode. This is my new favorite episode, man. <laughs> I love talking about the gospel, and you know, people can say what they want to about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if my life right. reflects others and, and points back to Him, that's what I was created for—to give Him glory. Amen to that. You know, we knew this podcast was going to be a line in the sand type moment when we started oh, yeah. this thing seventy-six episodes ago. But all these episodes have been leading to the point where we're pointing to Jesus. And you can look back throughout the the history of the RFP and see that every aspect has been pointing back to the gospel, yeah. to Jesus. It's not about Brian Edwards, Nathan Gravatt, or J.C. Groves. It's about the fame, the renown, the esteem of Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's where we're going. I like season two, baby. We on fire already yes, pointing to the gospel, the way, the truth, and the life. Well, you know, I think everybody surely sees by now that we're moving in a different direction. And um, mm -hmm. it's not to say that there won't be hints of what the RFP has been, but uh, I think we're on a journey, and we definitely don't want to walk in circles in the wilderness. Um, we don't want to walk in circles on a journey that should be a straight line. Uh, I'm glad there's a God who's able to take us to, I believe it's the west side of Jordan, we don't have to camp out on the east side, but he's able to take mm. us to the west side of Jordan to the promised land. And so uh, we're definitely on a journey, and it's not going to be spending time walking in circles in a wilderness because there's better things that God has in store for his people. Amen. You're right. 
One of them better things is Bourbon, Missouri. Tomorrow, we have a meetup with a bunch of our RFP fam. We're excited about being there with them. And uh, I think a great way to close out this episode today, Bodie Bauckham has a powerful word talking all about the gospel that I think would be very fitting to end this episode. We want to have a full understanding of the doctrine of salvation. However, you do not have to have a complete understanding of the doctrine of salvation to be saved. What you need to know for that is very simple. That you are a sinner in need of a savior and that God has provided savior through the person and work of Jesus Christ and that you must abandon all reliance on yourself and what you can do and flee to Christ and put your trust in who he is and what he has done. You don't have to understand every aspect of that. When you come to Christ, you will not know everything about him. You will spend eternity unfolding the mystery and the majesty of who Christ is, and you will never run out of mystery and majesty. But you don't have to know all the mystery and majesty in order to know you're a sinner in need of a savior. He is the savior whom God has provided. Ah, so that we just go on and just live any way we want to? Yes. Because when you're his, he'll even change your want to. Amen? The true Christian is not the one who lives a way he doesn't want to. The true Christian is the one who has his want to changed. Amen, somebody. We're transformed and conformed to the very image of Christ so that even our desires are different. Do do you see the difference in those two things? And this is why people don't want Christianity. You ask somebody out there, what's a Christian? Well, a Christian is a person who no longer does stuff that's pleasant or pleasing. A Christian is the one who, you know, they put their head down and they march on slowly through this life with all pleasure removed. Hey man, you want to go do so-and-so? Ah, no. Why? That sounds enjoyable. Must not be Christian. That's not Christianity, people. transforming reality and when we become a part of this transforming reality it transforms us and we now live to the glory of God because we now want to live to the glory of God 
Amen? That's the beauty of the covenant of redemption. So I ask you the question again, are you a Christian? So first and foremost, it's important that we get the gospel right because if we don't, there are people out there, including ourselves, who will be duped into believing that they are right with God when in fact they are at enmity with him. Well, there it is. Y'all have a good week. Be sweet. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.